hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Join me at Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Amen. Here's what we find. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they, at, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. In Bethlehem, in Ju and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Amen. 
going to try and talk from a very simple thought today. Be wise. Be wise. Be wise. I don't know if you've paid any attention whatsoever to the approval ratings of United States presidents. I've not paid very close attention to it, but I looked up a couple of ratings of some of the former presidents we've had. Abraham Lincoln was amongst those who had very high ratings. In fact, I think of all the presidents we've had, uh, he has had the highest approval ratings of all. It's attributed to how he handled the Civil War. George H.W. Bush also had very high uh, ratings attributed to how he responded to 9-11. So presidents have approval ratings. And of course, it makes you wonder who's being asked, who's being polled when it comes to giving these ratings. I know anybody ever asked me. (laughs) No one ever asked me how they thought, how I thought Clinton was doing or how I thought Reagan was doing, or Barack Obama, or uh, Trump, or Joe Biden. Nobody's asked me my opinion. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been asked or polled. How do you think the president doing? But it's something to see these approval ratings for where you can see some people will approve of a president's performance, where others may not. Then you can have some others who, you can have some people who will rant and rave about a president's performance where others may feel as if the president is doing an awful job, but they have approval ratings. In our text, I wonder what kind of approval ratings Jesus would have got. What kind of approval ratings would Jesus have had? First of all, Jesus is probably no more than two years old. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, I've read where some scholars speculated that by the time these wise men showed up to his house, he may have been up to five years old. But it's safe to assume that because of Herod's rant and, and his decree in seeking to uh, assassinate every young boy, every young Jewish boy under the age of two, it's safe to assume that in Matthew chapter 2, Verses 1 through 16, Jesus is somewhere between infancy and two years old. So who would want to give up an approval rating on a two-year-old? How many two-year-olds you know who would get favorable ratings? How many of your children, when they were two, grandchildren, when they were two, escaped and uh, avoided or, or prevented you from experiencing their terrible twos? Jesus being Savior, it's hard to believe that he would have terrible twos. What kind of approval rating would Jesus receive if he was polled in Matthew chapter 2? Might be kind of hard to say. May not have been a whole lot of folk who knew him. May not have been a whole lot of folk who knew about him. But once Herod found out about him, Herod would have given Jesus a zero percent approval rating. Jesus is being described to Herod as the newborn king of the Jews. And Herod himself is king over 
all of the region. In fact, the Bible says in verse 3 of Matthew 2, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, when he heard that there was a newborn king of the Jews and that these wise men are looking for him. Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, everyone in Jerusalem is disturbed because they know if Herod finds out that there's some other king, this some supposed king of the Jews, it's no telling what Herod would do. He was that wicked. He was that cruel. But while the wise men come to celebrate Jesus, Herod sought to cancel Jesus. While the wise men would have given Jesus probably a favorable rating, Herod sought to cancel Jesus. And as the story goes in our text, the wise men had a private meeting with King Herod. Herod, who, as far as he knows and as far as everyone else knows, Herod is king of the Jews, appointed by Rome. He told these wise men to return to him after they found Jesus. So they were to return to Herod once they found Jesus, king of the Jews, and, and tell Herod where, what, what Jesus' GPS location was so Herod himself could go and worship Jesus as well. But you know how the story goes. The, way, the wise men uh, had a dream one night. was told by the Lord to skip the meeting with Herod and go home another way. Herod feeling as if he was hoodwinked. Herod feeling as if he was uh, bamboozled, uh, outsmarted, goes into a rage. Look at verse 16, Matthew chapter 2. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod goes into a rage. He is determined to kill anything that might, might even think about trying to become king of the Jews. Herod is king of the Jews and will have it no other way. This man has even had two of his own sons killed to ensure no one threatened his rule and reign uh, on the throne. Herod's reception of the news of Jesus sort of reminds me of when civil rights icon Reverend Jesse Jackson visited Ferguson, Missouri back in 2014 after the killing of Michael Brown. Jesse Jackson, who marched with Martin Luther King Jr., in Selma in 1965, Jesse Jackson, who uh, founded Operation Push, 1971, Push standing for People United to Save Humanity. Jesse Jackson, Jesse Jackson, who in 1984 established the Rainbow Push Coalition, which sought equal rights for African-Americans, women, and homosexuals. These two organizations mer merged in 1996 to form the Rainbow Push Coalition. Jesse Jackson, when he was received in Ferguson, Missouri, received a rather cold reception, although he won praise for negotiating the release of U.S. soldiers and civilians around the world, including in Syria in 1984, Iraq in 1990, and Yugoslavia in 1999. Jesse Jackson, who in 1997, President Bill Clinton named him a special envoy to Africa, where he traveled to promote human rights and democracy. And uh, that year, Jackson also founded the Wall Street Project, 
which sought to increase minority opportunities in corporate America. This, this same Jesse Jackson who in 2014 fought to bring increased diversity in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. The same Jesse Jackson with this track record, with, with all that he's done to help people, showed up in Ferguson, Missouri after a young black man, unarmed black man, Michael Brown, was killed and was confronted in a McDonald's parking lot by two African-American protesters who, who said, we don't want you here in St. Louis, Jesse. Jesse Jackson, 2014, told by young African-Americans, we don't want you here, Jesse. We don't want you here in St. Louis. Even asked him, when are you going to stop selling us out? Mm. Despite all Jesse Jackson has done, some, criti some criticized and rejected him in Ferguson. He arrived to help, but some had a problem with his presence and made it known. In like fashion, Jesus arrived in a manger to help, to help save humanity from sin, to help deliver his people from oppression. He showed up to help, to save, to deliver. But Herod had a problem with his presence and made it known. While the wise men want to celebrate Jesus, Herod wanted to cancel Jesus. In fact, Herod would cancel again anyone who threatened his reign. Jesus, the gift of God to grant everlasting life to all who would believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, to include Herod, would not perish but have everlasting life. But here is Herod, here is Herod, hating on Jesus. Herod the hater. Hating on Jesus, the baby in the manger. Herod the hater. Who's, who's hating and rejecting the gift of God. As a matter of fact, not only the gift of God, but God himself in the flesh. Here is Herod, the hater, rejecting, rejecting a gift from God, the gift of God. And I'm, I just wanted to begin before we get into the meat of this text and the meat of this message by asking if any of us could ever be like Herod. Hating on a gift God sends you to help you. Could any of us ever, ever be guilty of hating like Herod, where we, we reject a gift of help, a gift of deliverance, a gift to get us out of trouble that we cannot get ourselves out of? Have, we, have you ever been guilty of, of rejecting a gift that God has brought your way, only to find yourself in retrospect looking back and realizing that someone you pushed away was actually sent by God into your life? To help you get out of some trouble that you could not get yourself out of. I don't know about you, but I've been a poor judge of book covers. You've heard the expression, don't judge a book by the cover. I've judged, I've been a poor judge of book covers. Has anybody here ever been a poor judge of book covers where somebody who was come to bless your life and you didn't receive it as a blessing, you didn't hear it as a blessing, you didn't sense it was a blessing, and only in retrospect when you look back in how you treated them, you, you, look, you look back in how you pushed them away, then you realize you actually pushed away someone who had come into your life to help you. But the wise men, the wise men, on the other hand, 
if they were to be polled in, in, in giving Jesus approval ratings based on their action, based on their behavior, they, it appears that they would give in Jesus some pretty high marks. These, these are wise men in our text. They're, they're labeled as wise men. They're described as wise men. But what is meant in this context of, of, uh, as it pertains to wisdom? What's meant by wisdom in this context? What is meant but to call these men wise men. And the truth of the matter is, y'all, we don't know. We know hardly anything about these men. They jump in and jump out of scripture and, and almost like a halftime show at a basketball game. It's, it's real quick. It's real brief. We won't read about them anymore. We don't know their names. We don't know exactly where they're from. We don't know exactly what their background is. But we can understand something about them based on how we interpret the word or the phrase wise men, magi. They're, they're not wise necessarily as it contrasts with being foolish. We, we, we don't understand that. The word that's used and translated wise men is not, not to suggest that they're, that they're wise men in contrast to being foolish men. They're probably Babylonian astrologers who had secret knowledge of how, sto how stars in interconnected with world events. They're astrologers. They're, they're, these are dudes who probably wrote the horoscopes y'all like to read and believe. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. When you read your horoscope, some of y'all read your horoscope every day and take that as gospel. These are the guys who will probably have written your horoscope. And please keep in mind to all of my horoscope reading, horoscope believing saints, that there are several times in the Old Testament where participating in astrology is forbidden. Who are these men? Why are they called wise men? They may be magicians or interpreters of dreams. It could be that they're called wise, not in contrast to being foolish, but maybe they're wise because they, they had a gift and ability to interpret dreams. They, they may be priests of some Babylonian religion, or as some speculate, some scholars speculate, that these men may actually be kings themselves. We don't know who they are. We don't know their background. They, they may have encountered Jewish teachings while the people of God were in exile in Babylon. These men probably do not worship Yahweh. These men probably do not worship Jehovah, the father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These men are not necessarily known to be looking for a Messiah or a Savior or a Deliverer. They're, they don't seem to have that vibe. They're not... They're not known to be a part of that type of religion, but yet they're labeled as wise men. And we can gain wisdom by an examination of these men in our text. I believe we can. Let me give you a few things to consider we're going to raise up. Number one, number one, as we examine these men, we can walk away with a couple of lessons. One lesson is be wise and seek Jesus the King. Be wise and seek Jesus the King. Is there any wisdom we can gain from observing these men who jump in and out of, of, of the text, in and out of scripture, like a very quick halftime show? There's one lesson we can learn, and that is be wise and seek Jesus the King. Look at the first two verses of Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose 
and we have come to worship him. They asked a question that all of us should ask. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? These wise men are in Jerusalem searching for a king. It is speculated by some, again, that these men may be kings themselves of foreign lands. Nevertheless, they're looking for a king, the king of the Jews. So let me ask you what these, let, let me ask you what these wise men were asking as they walked the streets of Jerusalem. I want to ask you the same question they were asking. Where is he? Where is King Jesus in your life? You declare your belief in him as savior, but where is he as it relates to being king, ruling and reigning in your life? Are y'all with me today? The truth of the matter is Jesus has many roles. He has many roles, many roles in our lives. We know him as healer. Amen. He's able to heal you from COVID cheering. We know him as healer. We know him as broken heart fixer. We know him as mind regulator. We know him as way maker. We know Jesus as miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. But do you know him as the king in your life? Have you surrendered to his sovereignty over your life? I'd encourage all of us to do so. Surrender to Jesus, kingship, surrender to the reign and rule of Jesus in our lives. Are y'all with me today? Yeah, these wise men, these wise men were not looking to make Jesus their king. They're simply seeking him to pay homage to him as a king. But it would be wise for you and I to make Jesus king of our lives, ruling and reigning from the throne of our hearts. Yes, yes, it would be wise to make him king of your life, your whole life, your, your finances, your relationships, your will, your dreams, your, your whole life. It's, it's, it's kind of like this. Since Queen Elizabeth II's passing, her son, Charles, has become king of England. England had no say in it. They didn't vote on Charles becoming king. They didn't sign a petition saying it's all right with them if he became king. Charles became king simply because he succeeded his mother and now serves as king over all England. You and I have a say as to who rules and reigns in our lives. You can choose to let the enemy rule and reign in your life. You can choose to allow your flesh to rule and reign in your life. You can choose to allow the influence of the world to rule and reign in your life or you can make a wise decision and decide today Jesus will be my king I wonder if there's anybody here looking to make Jesus king not just a healer not just a way maker but a king where as an old folk would say you let him have his way in your life let him have his way in your thinking. Let him have his way in your speech. Let him have his way in your behavior. Let him have his way in your, on your motivation. Let Jesus have his way. Whatever he says to do, that's what we do. Whatever he says to go, that's where we go. Whatever he says to put up with, that's what we put up with. Whatever he says to speak out against, that's what we speak out against. Whatever he says to endure, that's what we endure. When Jesus is king of your life, you're not in charge. When Jesus is king of your life, your emotions ain't in charge. When Jesus is king in your life, the world can't be in charge the, the devil can't be in charge darkness cannot be in charge your flesh can't be in charge when Jesus is king in your life and it's a choice we've got to make it's a choice we've got to make these men are in 
They're in Jerusalem looking for a king. And watch this as I get ready to move on. They're looking for a king in Jerusalem, but the king is in Bethlehem. They're looking for the, they're in Jerusalem looking for the king, but this king that they're looking for is in Bethlehem. The good news is, although they had not found him yet, they're close. Although they had not found him yet, they're closer than they were before they left home. And I want to know if there's anybody here today, you may be upset over the mistakes you're making, the sins you're committing, the addiction you can't get past, the stuff that you can't overcome, the stuff you can't move beyond. But I wonder if there's anybody here who may not be there where Jesus has absolute rule and reign over your life yet but you're closer and the truth of the matter is these men are five miles away from Bethlehem and if they keep on looking for them they're going to find them and that's some good news for somebody this Christmas if you keep on looking for them you'll find them if you keep on looking for him to rule and reign you'll find them if you keep on looking for him to have absolute rule and reign you can find him so they're wise, they're wise, and they're seeking Jesus, the king. And I want to encourage everybody here, everybody streaming, to seek to make Jesus king in your life. Here's a second lesson we can learn from these wise men in our text. And the second lesson is this, y'all. Be wise and be filled with joy. Be wise and be filled with joy. I'm in verse 10. Verse 10, the Bible says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When these wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. So they stopped in Jerusalem. They're following a star. They followed the star. They end up in Jerusalem. They're inquiring to the inhabitants. Have y'all seen the newborn king of the Jews? And so uh, they're, 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 they, they found that he, he, he was not there. And uh, they, they were told to, to make their way to Bethlehem. So they go to Bethlehem again following the star. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. That's what verse 10 reads in my Bible. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Verse 10 does not read when they saw the baby, they were filled with joy. It says when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They saw the star before they saw the king. And they're filled with joy when they saw the star. Here's the point, y'all. The point is they were filled with joy in anticipation of finding the newborn king of the Jews. They had not seen him yet, but knowing they were closer, knowing that they saw a sign, a sign in the sky, they were filled with joy. They were informed of his location. They saw the star as a sign that they were closer and assured, watch this, of seeing him with their own eyes. I want to encourage somebody to live in joyful anticipation of seeing Jesus with your own eyes. For the truth of the matter is every born again believer, every blood bought, blood washed follower of Jesus has this blessed assurance that one day we shall see Jesus with our own eyes face to face. First John 3 and 2, first John 3 and 2 says, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him here it is for we shall see him as he is I need somebody born again to holler I'm gonna see him I need somebody who's seen too much trouble to rejoice. I'm going to see him. I, I need somebody who's seen too many weary days and too many sleepless nights to rejoice. One day, I'm going to see him. I, I 
I need somebody who's seen too much sorrow, too much loss, too much death, too much bad news, too much disappointment. I need somebody who's seen some bad days to rejoice in knowing one day I'm going to see him. Somebody holler right through your mask, I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him. The wise men were overjoyed when they saw the star. They still got five miles to go before they arrived in Bethlehem. They're already excited. They're already rejoicing in anticipation of seeing the king. And I need to encourage somebody this Christmas. We shall see the king. And for everybody here who's born again, you have the hope of seeing the king. Rejoice today. Live in it today. Put a praise in your spirit today the hope of seeing the Lord and spending eternity with him is what has empowered our people to endure the harsh winter of slavery and Jim Crow and it can yet empower us to endure our harsh realities that we face right now I'm going to heaven when I die I'm going to see Jesus face to face some of you may be dealing with depression and sadness during the holidays. The National Alliance on Mental Illness reported that 64% of people living with a mental illness reported that their conditions worsened around the holidays. 64%. My heart goes out to our church family members who are feeling a little down during this holiday season. But if there's any consolation, if there's any weapon you can use to combat that depression today it is the joyful anticipation of seeing Jesus face to face rejoice in knowing that because of Jesus goodness because of Jesus grace because of his promise in salvation because of his blood washing your sins away you shall see him face to face in glory it ain't because you joined a church it ain't because you sing in a choir it's not because you're a deacon a trustee or a preacher the truth is we shall see Jesus face to face because of his goodness, because of his grace, because of his, because of his sacrifice on Calvary's cross and is bringing us to a place where we believe in him and believe in the redemptive work that Jesus has done on Calvary's cross. Is anybody praying with me today? And when we see him face to face, we'll never again have to experience heartbreak. We'll never experience sickness. We'll never experience disease. There won't be any such thing as cancer. There won't be any such thing as COVID. There will be no such thing as heart attacks or strokes. When we see Jesus face to face, we're going to be just like him. And Jesus can't catch COVID. Jesus can't get diagnosed with cancer. Jesus can't die of sugar diabetes. Jesus can't go blind. Jesus can't, listen, Jesus can't die he's already died for us but he yet lives and I need somebody who's feeling down today to encourage yourself to combat that depression with the truth that we get from the word of God one day I'm going to see him face to face that's why the songwriter wrote oh I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory let me lift my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice so if I were you I'd learn this lesson from these wise men be wise and seek Jesus the king Secondly, be wise and be filled with joy. But thirdly, thirdly, y'all, be wise and worship Jesus. Be wise and worship Jesus. Be wise 
and worship Jesus. Rewind to verse 2 for a hot second. Rewind to verse 2. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? These wise men are asking. We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now fast forward to verse 11. Verse 11. They entered the house. They found Jesus. They found the newborn king of the Jews. They, they entered the house in verse 11. Saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why, why, why did these wise men come to worship Jesus? They're, they're, they're probably not Jews. They're probably not looking for a Messiah, a Savior. Why did these wise men come to worship Jesus? Their worship very likely deleted all divinity from Jesus. They don't see him as God in the flesh. Their worship is basically paying homage to a king as one would pay homage to King Charles of England. But don't be foolish. Don't claim to worship Jesus while deleting his divinity. He is God in the flesh. And we must worship, revere, and honor him as such. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 1.14 puts it like this. And the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, what are you saying? John says, in Jesus we have God in the flesh. John, what are you trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us that Jesus was no mere mortal man. That Jesus was no, he, he was more than a philosopher. He was more than a rabbi, a religious teacher, or a Jewish teacher. He's more than a prophet. Jesus, John says, was God in the flesh. King Jesus is God in the flesh. And he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our reverence. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy, y'all, of our obedience. He is to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. He is to be worshipped everywhere we go, whether it is in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Warner Robins, Fort Valley, Centerville, Bonaire, Kathleen, Perry, Atlanta, at work, at home, in the mall, online, in line, in the DM, in your DM. He's to be worshipped everywhere, even in your DM. He's to be worshipped everywhere and in everything we do. He's to be worshipped in how we treat people. He's to be worshipped when we're angry. He's to be worshipped, obeyed, and reverenced from our hearts. So I just want to encourage y'all to do this. Give it to him. Give him the worship he deserves. Give it to him. Give him the worship God deserves. Give it to him. Give him the worship God deserves. It was God who woke you up this morning. God who started you on your way. God who enabled you and empowered you to put anything up under the tree. It's God, y'all. God. God deserves to be worshipped. Give it to him. Give King Jesus the worship worthy of our God. He's worthy. Even if, listen, especially if he's ever done anything for you. 
Is there anybody here who can testify that Jesus has done anything for you? Has he ever blessed you? Don't you know that last breath you just took was a blessing from the Lord? Don't you know the next breath you're going to take is a blessing from the Lord? Don't you know waking up this morning was a blessing from the Lord? The food on your table was a blessing from the Lord? The car you drove or rode in to get here was a blessing from the Lord? You making it through what you made? it through this year is because of a blessing from the Lord. Goodness and mercy follows you all the days of your life because you're being blessed by the Lord. Is there anybody here who can testify? I know how I made it. I know how I got over. I know how I survived because the Lord keeps on blessing me. I got to worship him. I got to honor him. I've got to adore him. I've got to submit my life to him. I got to do what he tells me to do. I've got to worship him because he's worthy. I think that's why some of y'all came to the house of the Lord today to worship him. Didn't come to play around, came to worship him. Going through too much to be playing with God. Going through, waiting on too much to be playing with, with worship. I want to know, is there anybody here came to the house of God to worship? Didn't come to see what nobody else had on. Didn't come to see who was with who. You came to worship. Been too good to you. Brought you through too much. Done too much for you. Opened too many doors for you. Made too many ways for you. Forgave you for too much. Is there anybody here came to worship? Worship. And it's a worship that's full of recognition of his redemptive power. It's worship that recognizes he is God in the flesh. I'm not going to delete his deity. He's God in the flesh. One more thing and we're done. One more thing. One more thing. What, what can we learn? What can we learn? What wisdom can we glean from these, from these wise men who probably, they're not, they're not of the Jewish community. They're not of, they, they, don't, they don't participate in Judaism. But what can we learn? One, be wise and seek Jesus the king. Secondly, be wise and be filled with joy. Thirdly, be wise and worship Jesus. Finally, finally, be wise and be generous toward Jesus. Be wise and be generous toward Jesus. These men, these wise men, not wise because it's in contrast with foolish, but wise because maybe they can interpret dreams. They, they're deemed wise, labeled wise because of abilities they have. In verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Here it is. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts are very expensive. They're very expensive gifts. The, these gifts are not, they're not from Dollar General. They're not, they're not, from, the, they're not from the clearance rack at the Dollar Tree. Uh, Dr. Perkins was here with us last Sunday and, and blessed us with the word. Uh, I don't think they told y'all the testimony of how his wife, Teresa, misplaced her wedding ring on their way to Warner Robins. Misplaced her wedding ring. And so uh, we all hooked up Saturday, uh, went up to Atlanta to hang out, got something to eat, and uh, went to Lenox just to waste some time. But she had lost her wedding ring. And uh, so we're looking for some place because Dr. Perkins is going to replace her ring. So we're looking at all, looking at different jewelry stores and stuff and wound up in Bloomingdale's. 
Bloomingdale's. Got her another ring from Bloomingdale's. I was joking before we left Warner Robins and said, Walmart is right there on the corner. Wal- Walgreens, Walgreens. I got enough quarters in my car. Walgreens. I mean, that's where I got Michelle. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, no, I didn't. Well, you know where I got you. So Wal- Walgreens right there on the corner. Yeah. The, the, these are not cheap gifts. And by the way, she found her ring when they got back to San Diego. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> found the other ring. These, these gifts are not cheap gifts. Gold, appropriate and typical gift given to royalty. Frankincense, frankincense, glittering, odorous gum obtained by making incisions in the bark of several trees. Myrrh, myrrh. I know some of y'all are hoping that somebody give you some myrrh for this Christmas. I know you were asked, what you want for Christmas, Nana? Get, baby, give me some myrrh. Myrrh exudes from a tree found in Arabia and a few other places and was much, a much valued spice and perfume, many times used in embalming. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Expensive gifts. Expensive gifts. These wise men would tell us, although we're not looking for our king, if you claim Jesus to be your king, don't be stingy. Don't be stingy in your giving. Rather, be generous in your giving. Give him gifts that reflect your love for him. Be generous. And please notice, please notice that these men, they come giving these gifts to Jesus. They didn't ask Jesus for anything. You know, I know you say, well, of course they didn't ask Jesus for anything. Jesus is probably younger than two years old. What would they ask? What would they ask him for? And granted, yeah. He's probably younger than two years old, but again, they didn't recognize his deity. And it's, it's interesting to note that they asked the king for nothing. There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for anything. In fact, we're commanded in scripture to make our requests known unto the Lord and, and to tell the Lord what we want, what we need. There's hardly anything we can get without the gracious help of the Lord. You can't take another breath unless he helps you. You can't, ha- you can't have strength unless he helps you. Can't have peace in the midst of your storm unless he helps you. We need his gracious help with virtually everything. But how about coming before him asking for nothing, but rather presenting him an offering instead? I'm not saying don't ever ask him for anything. I'm saying sometimes, sometimes can you come to him with something to give him? Amen, somebody. Come to him with, with an offering for him. And the best gift you can give, King Jesus, is you. The best gift you can give is you. Present yourself to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Give yourself to Jesus, all of you, if you have yet to give him, all of you. My encouragement to you today is to, is to give yourself to Christ. If you've not given him your mind, if you've not given him your pain, if you've not given him your heart and your motivation and your dreams and your goals and your ambitions and your future, give all of yourself to him today. Give him all of you. Don't wait until New Year's Day as if you made some New Year's resolution to get closer to God. Give yourself to him today. 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 Have you ever received a gift that you didn't want? 
I, I like receiving gifts where when I look at the gift and I, and I say, now, if I had seen this in the store, I would have bought that. But sometimes I get gifts where I look at them, Jonathan, I'm like, I, I wouldn't have bought this. I'm grateful. I appreciate it, but wouldn't have bought this. I like gifts when I receive them. Now, I would have bought that. If I would seen that, I would have bought it. So all of us, I'm sure, have received a gift or two that you couldn't wait to return or hide in the attic or re-gift at next year's Christmas party. This is nice. I was thinking of you when I wrapped it up. Then they open it up and say, it got your name engraved on it. But some gifts are like that. You get the gift and you ain't all that thrilled. You get the gift and you, you can't wait to re-gift it or return it. Some gifts are like that. But if you present yourself to Jesus, and no matter how ugly the wrapping of your life is, he'll gladly receive you as his own. And even though the enemy may have engraved his name on your life, on your past, Jesus will receive you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No matter how ugly the wrapping of your past or your present circumstances, Jesus will receive you as his own. You can be wrapped up in addiction, Jesus will receive you. You can be wrapped up in depression and suicidal thoughts, and Jesus will receive you. You can be wrapped up in sexual sin of all sorts, and Jesus will receive you. You can be wrapped up in failure, and Jesus will receive you. Won't he do it? Come on, talk to me. Won't he do it? No matter what your life is wrapped up in, if you present yourself to Christ as a living sacrifice, he'll receive you. But, oh, I'm, 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 I'm finished when I'm telling you this. The wise men opened their treasures. The wise men opened their tre- the treasure chests and gave the Lord gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Another word you can use to translate treasures or treasure chests is coffin. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But another word that can be translated for these treasure chests is the English word coffins. We could say they opened their coffins and gave Jesus treasures. They opened little coffins and presented King Jesus with expensive gifts. I've come to tell somebody today, it's time for you to come up out your coffin. Come up out of your coffin and give Jesus yourself. Jesus wants to have you. Come up out of your coffin of addiction. Come up out of your coffin of guilt. Come up out of your coffin of hopelessness. Your coffin of feeling worthless. Your coffin of having given up on yourself. Your coffin of being dead in trespasses and sin. Come up out your coffin where you've been dead far too long. Jesus will receive you. And I don't know if Mary and Joseph allowed Jesus to play with his gifts, but Jesus will sup with you. Jesus will fellowship with you. Jesus will treasure you. Jesus will honor you. Jesus will gladly receive you. Ask me how I know. I'll tell you how I know because one Friday night one Friday night they hung him high and stretched him high. One Friday night they put a crown of thorns on his head. I know he'll receive you because one Friday night he died to save us from our sins. I said he died. One Friday, I don't think y'all heard me. I said he died. One Friday night, didn't he die? Stay borrowed. They put him in a borrowed grave. Stayed there all night Friday. Stayed there all day Saturday. Stayed there. Y'all know the drill. All night Saturday night, but early. 
early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. He did that for you. He's done that for me. He got up out of his grave so you could get up out that coffin. He got up out of that grave so you could get up out of that coffin of sin. He got up out of that grave so you could get up out of that coffin of darkness. He got out of the grave. He was raised from the dead so that you could live. The best gift you can give the Lord is you. You with all that trauma. You with all that pain. You with all those secrets. You with all that hurt. You with all that shame. Give him yourself today. Yeah. I don't know what kind of approval ratings you would give Jesus, but he's all right with me. <laughs> Save me from my sins. He's all right with me. Wash me and make me whole. He's all right with me. Put bread on my table when I'm hungry. He's all right with me. Water when I'm thirsty. He's all right with me. When I call him, he answers. He's all right with me. He, he walks with me. He talks with me. He reminds me I'm his very own. I don't know what kind of approval rating you give him, but Jesus is all right with me. Do I have any company in the room today? Can you bless him? Can you praise him? Can you tell him thank you? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for washing my sins away. Thank you for making me a new creation. Thank you, God. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.